0: We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay.
1: Today's guest is L. Russ. L. is the author of Confident as Fuck. And the best-selling health book, The Paleo Thyroid Solution, which has helped thousands of people around the world reclaim their health. Elle is also a TV and film writer and the show host for the popular Primal Blueprint podcast, which is started by NYT's best-selling author, Mark Susan. You can learn more about her at lras.com And in this interview, we do a deep dive into confidence, how it's created, how it affects us, and how we can rebuild it. We look at how to remove the downers and bad vibes in our own life, clean up our past, and how to utilize confidence to live the life you truly want and make our dreams a reality. And now, let's get to the interview. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I was really impressed by the book. You sent me an advance copy, and I was blown away by the quality, the way that you uh, wrote it. It was so easy to understand, and it was very helpful to understand confidence and you know, the sort of factors that can help us become more confident men, but for people who maybe don't know who you are initially with the name, um, you're going to be a big success with the book, but could you just give a quick breakdown of who you are and how you define what you do? Sure.
2: Yeah. You know, actually I don't often get that question. So that's interesting. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, I do so many things. So I usually just start off with telling people that I'm a writer. So I'm the author of two books, The Paleo Thyroid Solution and my new one that we'll discuss called confident as fuck. Um, I also host the primal blueprint podcast, which was started by legendary paleo primal ancestral grandfather, Mark Sisson, and where I interview people on mind body topics every week as well. Um, and then, you know what, I live in Hollywood and I'm, I've been an actor and I'm also uh, a screenwriter. So my writing spans beyond books and, um, yeah, just, you know, two things in my life compelled me to write a book. One was suffering from hypothyroidism, having to get myself out of it myself without a doctor, which was a harrowing experience and um, wonderful, but then wrote a book about that experience and became a subject expert because I had to be my own doctor. And then on the confidence thing, same as well. Um, My whole life, people have come to me to gain confidence in a thing or to go speak up to somebody. And I'm just compelled by it because I know that people want my confidence. Now, as we'll get into it, we'll realize it's kind of a two-way street because people who have seemingly less confidence can actually offer highly confident people some some tips about life too.
1: No, because I'm really impressed. I mean, I like the fact that you went from, was it, comedy and improv, and then you started, you know, then you did a podcast, then you wrote a book about a uh, medical condition and how you basically – for you know, like you got the confidence to discover how to fix it yourself because the doctors weren't being as helpful as they could be. You, you certainly have a, a very kind of interesting story, which we're going to get into. But for people listening, can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing? You know, what were you like? Were you a confident child? Like, where do you think the stem of your confidence comes from?
2: You know, I do come from a long line of some confident as F people. Um, particularly the women in my family but the thing is is that you can have that going in and still have something disrupt that in life so it doesn't really matter how you were raised and same with the opposite if you were not raised with it you can attain it so this is not something that is inherent or that has to be it can be learned and cultivated and that's important to understand because some people think they just lack it inherently and that's not necessarily the case we're we're born confident as kids you know we're going no give me that you know I mean, a lot of kids you know and then we lose it at some point across the way and maybe maybe it's a, you know, family member, maybe it's a teacher. Um but yeah, I grew up in downtown Chicago. Now, it you know it's considered you know one of like the murder capital of our country I think at this point. <laughs> but when I was growing up it was still kind of shady. It was like, you know, you had to watch your back every 5 seconds. You know, I walked out my door, it was like trains, planes, automobiles, it was like tons of people and you know, uh there were people at my public high school that brought guns to school and you know, you're just involved in this maelstrom and you end up knowing a lot of people that die when you're young in the city you know whether it's like an accident or they get shot and so i think there's this general toughness a lot of people from downtown chicago have about them in general just getting through this cold freezing city (laughs) you know just this this like freaking vibe of just like man um and so i think there's 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 a level there that was probably brewed and i think my toughness um was probably brewed there as well um However, you know, I had so many things along the way in my life that really chipped away at my confidence in other areas. Um and look, you know, teenagers are awkward for everybody and I think there's some confidence issues there that everybody goes through as well. So while I do, you know, while I was raised by a confident woman and actually a very confident grandmother, um there were things along the way and experiences in childhood and beyond that can really chip away at something that sprouted and looked like it was going to blossom and then you know got hit with a torpedo
1: because yeah. that's the thing isn't it is we all assume we're born with certain characteristics and we can't change it you know you get defined as the weird kid or the confident yep. kid or the sporty kid and for some reason we allow that to be like our identity and we, i think you know we kind of fight against against other people's opinions of us if they differ you know we're born into a a country we're given a religion a lot of the times by what our parents are into we give our national identity by the country we're born into the male female genders how we're perceived etc depending on our social class and we fight each other about it but we a lot of us never look to change that but you know do you think it's confidence is something that you're born with initially and everybody is because you've said that it's a birthright you know could you go into a bit about that because not everybody thinks they're born with it
2: well here's the thing if you're born and then your parents immediately start beating you. Okay. I mean, yeah. All right. Le- yeah. Okay. So like a horrible scenario like that. I'm sure there's not going to be a lot of confidence, but in general, before things get you're a baby. Yes. You know, you cry, you scream, right? You throw something on the floor, you throw the food out of your mouth. You're like, no, don't want it. I mean, it's all the basic, very no BS. Like, like <laughs> it's like the most straight shooting we probably ever were was when we were that young. But here's the thing, you know, I'm glad you, I think a great example is bringing up a a story of Brandon in the book, which really shows you how parental garbage as i call it can really affect like a label like you mentioned you know you're labeled the weird one or maybe in your family you're labeled the brat or the lazy one right um and so these can carry kind of through through life and affect you as an adult and this is why i wrote this book to kind of get into the self-examination arena and scrape the barnacles off your life and figure out what areas are tripping you up in the way of confidence so that you can get confident as fuck meaning all-encompassing you know inside and out so here's the story with brandon Nice family, no one starved, you know. Middle class, they had they had some good money. No one worried about anything. No one was beaten or molested, you know. Just just seemingly a a normal family. Well, Brandon's dad was kind of a hothead, and he would lose something, like he 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 misplaced his hammer in the toolbox, and he'd blame Brandon for it. Like, I know you stole it, you know where is it? Screaming and ranting and raving, and Brandon would be like, I didn't take it, I didn't take it, and he didn't take it. And then the dad would like find the hammer later on and never apologize this kind of stuff would just kind of happen every now and then. And it seems kind of innocuous, right? Like big deal, but here's Mm. how it affected his life. So Brandon gets to be an adult and he only really figured this out when he's 40. And we're talking and he's a contractor. And so he goes from job to job and every manager of each job, this is what would happen. Something would go wrong on the project that wouldn't even be Brandon's fault. And then he would get chastised and publicly patronized in front of all the other employees From the manager, you know, like yelling at him about it. And he would cower. He wouldn't speak up. And this kept happening. And I was like, you know, it's interesting, Brandon. This doesn't happen to Joe, Bob, me, or anyone else. Are we better employees than you? Because why does shit keep going wrong for you, bro? Why does it keep going? Why are you always wrong? Why is stuff always happening that goes wrong? Like, what's (laughs) up? Like, it's just so glaringly apparent on the outside. So I said, what happened when you were younger, high school, whatever? So we talked about it. He told me the story about his dad, told me a couple of those types of stories. And I said, oh, well, here it is. And so the first part of coaching Brandon in moving towards confidence was starting with that, realizing where the story had come from, this label Mm -hmm. on him, right? And that showing him so he could see he didn't have to be wrong, but he was attracting scenarios, again, repeating a pattern familiar from childhood in relation to authority figures, I'm not a psychologist. You don't have to be one to figure that out. It's always standard psychology that we repeat patterns that are familiar to us. Sometimes they are unhealthy. This is why women will go, you know, to a woman that abuses them. It's because the mother was hit, whatever. I mean, these are things we understand. So this is no different. And so it was convincing Brandon that he didn't have to be wrong. Like, hey, this was the story that was put on you and you accepted it and then continued to fulfill the reality of the story that you're always wrong, being blamed for stuff. So we had to muster up the courage then for Brandon the next time he was going to be with his patronizing manager, because sure enough, something was going to go wrong, he was going to get yelled at. I mean, that was just the theme. So mustering up the courage to finally get prepared to financially leave that job if he had to get fired that day because he was going to say something the next time this happened to the effect of, hey, I'm not going to be spoken to like that, so until you talk to me in a professional tone if you don't start talking to me in a professional manner, I'm going to walk out on this job right now. And now listen, that's uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. No one likes to be in those situations, particularly haven't spoken up to a bully or a boss like that. But he had had enough and he knew that it was time to change it. And not speaking up all the other times that happened just made him feel worse because it never feels good. This kind of goes back to our birthright. It never feels good. To not speak up. It doesn't. I don't care who you are listening. You know it. You get the choked up feeling in your throat. And then later on, you're like, I wish I could. A man, And you have like a million things. You can you know, like come back. Oh, say, yes. You know, we've all been there. But isn't it better? It's Listen, I don't live that life. I live the life where I say it. So I don't have those regrets. In fact, I actually just have a, like a stock full of these awesome times when I spoke up in moments like that and prevailed because usually the person does. So Brandon finally mustered up the courage and he did it. And what happened was exactly what I thought would happen, which is usually when you call a bully on their shit, they will step down because they are so shocked that anybody even did it, especially in front of a bunch of people in a room. (laughs) So he did it. And the boss shut up, apologized, didn't happen again. I wish I could have bottled the level of confidence that Brandon had after speaking up that day finally, after going through so many of these things where something went wrong and da-da-da-da-da. So excited, so shaking with just like, oh my God, like the best feeling ever that they overcame this hurdle. So then from there on out, what do you think happened? Well, Brandon started to attract and bring in contracts with people that this never happened with. Stuff stopped going wrong. In fact, nothing went wrong. The opposite. People would email him after a contract and be like, oh, that was the smoothest job we've had. You're an amazing, da da da, blah, blah, blah. Amazing. Appreciation accolades. So excited. So, Here's the thing. Once you've had a long pattern of like not speaking up or having some story that you have to then break and kind of overcome, the, like the one I'm telling you, I guarantee you it's just kind of like how it works. I don't care whether you believe in God or universe or aliens. You're going to get a tester. It's almost like the universe is going, did you really learn that? Did you really fucking learn that? So he did get a tester. He had a contract with someone who was kind of patronizing. And you know what? Didn't have to think about it. Just spoke up right there in the moment. And again, wish I could have bottled his level of self-esteem and confidence and self-love and self-worth when he called me to be like, oh, man, you're never going to believe this shit. This person said this. I just said, that's it. I mean, and then it just keeps going from there. This person is still continually proud of themselves every time they speak up. Now, they also had a series of friends when they were younger, too, that were kind of like leaders that might have not bullied him. But again, he was like on the low on the totem pole in the group and kind of got led around. What do you expect? Listen, bullies, adult bullies, too. This is because, look, I've had to come across some adult bullies. They prey on this. Do you want to be preyed on and have to keep confronting shitty people? No, you don't. And I rarely get challenged with this because I speak up. So I don't that's not my challenge, right? I don't it's like three times in 5 years a random stranger at my gym, some chick trying to be a mean girl, bullies me out of nowhere. And again, they regret it immediately. They chose the wrong person, but I rarely have this challenge because I don't that's not my issue, right? So with something like this with Brandon, what a simple dumb label or story from childhood that is continually affecting his employment, the way he what the vibe he's exuding? He's basically just like sonar to bullies to be like, come and patronize me because I won't speak up. Do you know what I'm saying, Ian? It's like, so this is where some of the digging is appropriate. So like, how do you know? Well, look at themes in your life that you don't like in the categories of your life. Like, how's employment going? Oh, great. How's relationships? Ooh, not so great. Okay, great. You keep attracting the same chick. That's a nightmare. Let's look at that. Was your mom like that? Did you have friends like that? Like, where did that start? You know, there's some story somewhere in the background that you're perpetuating unbeknownst to you somewhat subconsciously that can be changed and so listen brandon got his shit together when he was 40 his life is so incredible now all of the contracts he works on and that old that old uh manager who was the first person he spoke up to will call him every now and then for gigs and brandon just goes no thanks i'm busy just decided to be like you know i'm not tonight i'm gonna work with that guy anymore Because I just don't even want to come across the potential to actually have to do it. And I'm done with that dude. Um, But has so much work from other people that he can turn down those offers. So, again, Brandon's life is so much better. What a better way to live. And what a better employment story. You know what I'm saying?
1: Uh, That's what I loved about the book was you took something that was something that people cling to, you know, like a sort of deep down belief that, oh, I'm not a confident person. I'm not this. I'm just somebody that people can patronize. And you showed how a simple kind of fix and a different way of mindset looking at it could change something about them and completely create a new, like, you know, a new development in a person, create new um, opportunities for them and completely change their life because of how they viewed themselves. But, how if you had to define confidence now my issue with confidence has always been it's sub you know subjective to the person that's got it so to somebody who's maybe never been that particularly confident a confident act might be saying no to somebody asking to jump in line whereas to somebody else it might be a multi-million pound contract how do we define what you know confidence is and you know, is it subjective? Is it a kind of flowing state that changes from person to person? Or, you know, how do we know if we're confident or not in the areas we need to work on? You know, what kind of self-analysis tools do you use?
2: Well, a couple. So I'll gloss over. So a lot of people misinterpret confidence. Okay, so confidence is not being the loudest guy in the room at the party bragging about your shit. Actually, that's the most insecure guy. Okay, sometimes Definitely. the quiet guy in the room is the most secure. So let's start there. Okay, so this is not about... Loudness, bravado, or even being like you and I, where we can be performance confidence, right? Talking in front of a mic or talk on stage with no problem. Now, that's a learned skill. And if you want that, you can get it. But that's not necessarily confidence. I argue that it's nice to have, you know, you should have some level of performance confidence, even if it's just in a room full of 10 people, if you have to present something at a board meeting. But confidence is not this fixed anchored quality within you. Basically, your levels of confidence are always the sum of the thoughts you think and the actions you take. It's just, it's not your, it's not reflective of your actual capacity to succeed at something. It's more reflective of your belief in your ability to prevail at life in general. And you've got to get there if you're not there. Another tenant of confidence, and there's so many in the book, as you know, and we can go through a bunch of them, but I just put it this way. You are happy and cool with who you are alone in a room of people, wherever you are don't care if you walk into an airport alone, you walk into a restaurant alone, or you walk into a party alone, that you're there. You're not caring if people are judging you. You're not caring about impressing people or even having a conversation. You're just comfortable in your own skin, feeling good about yourself in this world. That's confidence. Now, you can have confidence in an ability in a thing, but not have confidence in other areas. And this is why it's not confident as F. And you want both. So, for example, uh, example in the book, a guy named John. He is a spear fisherman. This is one of the most rigorous, badass sports on planet Earth. Man, you are five miles out in the ocean. You're diving down there with sharks. It's freezing, and then once you spear the thing, you've got to wrangle a 150 pound sea creature to the surface. It takes an hour just to do that. You're getting seasick. I mean, this thing is like no joke, right? Like that's confident as fuck. Seemingly, <laughs> I mean, my God, right? So this guy's a spear fisherman in his spare time. He's also an anesthesiologist. Wow. Takes a lot of confidence to stick a needle in someone's spine or put one to, someone to sleep for brain surgery and wake them back up. In these areas of his life, he's confident in his abilities. Okay. And he's also a really good looking guy who's in shape and he knows it. So that picture goes, wow, this seems like the most confident guy you've ever met. Eh, actually not. He's the biggest people pleaser I had ever come across. Can't even have a conversation with his neighbor. Can't speak up to his girlfriend. That ain't confidence either, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not confidence either. But that's where, in my situation or other situations, especially a straight female-male relationship where you would see a guy like that and go, wow, he's so confident, right? So you can exude confident skills. You can have your own law firm. You can go speak in front of the Supreme Court. That doesn't mean you're confident on the inside and then it goes vice versa with other people who are very confident in who they are and here's the thing this is not about being a corporate badass i don't care if you're a mr mom or a stay-at-home mom or you're just a person who is confident because you are a good friend and you're valued by your tribe that's enough too so this is not about be confident go out there and you know like dominate the corporate world and give speeches if you want to great but it's about feeling good with yourself and taking Again, taking your goals to a new level because you, look, from the bedroom to the boardroom, you ain't going you, you to get what you want if you don't speak up. And I don't care what you're into, but you're not going to get it. So you have to speak up in so many areas of life and then there's other things that need to get cleaned out. So it's not always about speaking up. And for highly confident people, for the guys, like you can tell by hearing me. I'm obviously a super alpha female. And the pitfalls of alphas, males and females, are the same. We don't want to show vulnerability because it's considered weak. We don't want to – we're not that diplomatic. Sometimes we can speak before we think, you know, because we're just so confident about a position and we're just determined. Um We don't let the reins go over too quickly. We like to stay in control of things and it's not necessarily a control freak, but we're more likely to enable someone. So like if a friend comes to you and they're like, or a friend comes to me and I'm a writer, right? And they're like, hey, I need to write a letter to insurance company. Can you help me with it? Before in my old uncoached self, I might have been the person that was like, yeah, yeah, just I'll do it, right? Like I'll do it because I could just get it done faster or whatever versus helping them Help themselves, maybe saying, "Hey, why don't you write the first draft? I'll take a look at it for you." So we can sometimes just take over a thing. Now, alphas are great. You want them in an emergency. No one ever's had an emergency and goes, "Calls a beta for it." You call an alpha. They're gonna listen. Your hand gets cut off in an emergency. You want the alpha on that. The alpha's gonna go get the hand surgeon, the helicopter, right? I mean, it's a it's a positive quality. But alphas do have these pitfalls, and that's where these less confident people who come to people like us for confidence teach us that we need to also do these things. So confident people have pitfalls. And then this book is for you too, because I guarantee you, and I know, you know, you know, cause you've read it, you're going to, you're going to come across a story or se- several stories and you're go, okay, uh, in my face. Okay. I got to work on that. Okay. You know, there are a lot of, we got to choose your battles wisely. Uncoached alphas, male and female, don't do that. Our younger selves chose every battle. (laughs) Like I chose every battle when I was a young, young alpha, right? So you learn to refine this level of confidence through the stories in the book and also learn to gain it if you have none. But so you can be confident in an ability of a thing, but still have low self-esteem. And so when I say confident as fuck, I'm talking about inside, outside, all encompassing, getting every area in there. Because if you think like, oh, there's just these couple areas I'm not so confident in, and whatever, and just brush them under the rug. Oh, man, it's going to backfire.
1: Because that's what I liked about the book. When I was reading it, I was, I could identify the old version of myself, you know. But since I started this podcast, it really helped me open up mindsets and viewed myself and self analyzed and did all this kind of internal work and become more confident and happier in my own skin. And I could. I could read, you know, the bits about where you were showing about what's a nice guy compared to a confident guy. I was looking and saying, right, that's why I was before the people pleaser, the guy who helped everybody else but didn't feel happy in his own skin. And do you think that's what you define as true confidence? Is that you know being happy in their own skin? Is that why older exactly. people tend to find they're happy in their own skin because they've got to a point they they just don't give a toss anymore you know why is it that like older people can find that point in their life nearly every older person just gets that point they couldn't care and you know they just
2: i think wisdom you know with 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 age comes wisdom and i think there comes a point where you're just like eff it i just don't have any shame about it anymore like screw it right like i just don't care i just have no shame about it like i'm not gonna spend my life worrying i mean that's what most people over the age of 60 we'll tell you the best thing about getting older is not caring about what other people think. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and here's the thing, guys. Oh man. I want every guy to be confident as fuck. It is really attractive and it's so unattractive when a guy isn't, that's kind of your birthright as males. Look, listen, I know it's been thousands of years, Okay. But I am an ancestral paleo primal type of person. And I'm going to go back to that for a minute. Like, listen, there's a reason we've got these differences between each other. You know what? Yeah. I need you to protect me so that that dude over there isn't going to drag me by my hair into that fucking cave. Okay. Like, you know, we need you guys. Okay. We want to feel safe and protected. And we don't want to feel like we have to lead in the relationship, particularly if you're with an alpha female like myself. Right. You know, so um, this is really extra important for men, too. I mean, for everybody, but definitely for men because I believe like our societies have become quite emasculating in certain areas and so yeah you know like this is one of the best qualities you can have but here's the thing you can't pontificate confidence you can but it'll crumble that's why you need to have the self-esteem inside that's really what breeds a level of outward confidence to some degree um but it doesn't matter if it's outward as long as you feel it on the inside like you said but i would i would say especially you know like straight males out there Looking for dates. Confidence. You know what we love? We love when guys are bold as F. Like, for example, if a guy is setting up a date with me and they're like, so, like, where do you want to go? Oh, my God. Wrong. No. Just choose a fucking place. Be bold. Be dominant. Be a man. Be alpha. That's what we want. We actually want the guy to take control, especially if you're an alpha female. If you're not, you still do. But especially if you're an alpha female like me, because Uh, Look, no one wants to screw their brother or I don't want to be your mom. I don't want to take care of you. I already have to go be alpha as a podcaster and a writer and a speaker and all this stuff. When When I'm with you, I need to relax into my feminine and be that. And so I can't be the other. So please know where you kept your damn keys, figure out where we're going, like, all take charge. We want that. And that is in your birthright as men. So I wish and I really want more men to even step into this further. Because again, you could be this pontificating confident guy and be bold on the outside, but that's not really confidence on the inside either. You know, and we'll sense that. We will smell that at some point you'll be found out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because it's just so clear that it's there or that it's not. And this is where someone like, like we talked about John earlier, who's like, let's say an anesthesiologist and a spearfisherman, or let's say there's a guy who owns a law firm, like, oh, this guy's doing all these alpha things, but he's messy on the inside and he can't freaking speak up or tell the truth. Listen, confident people are the most authentic. Authenticity reigns supreme. Everybody wants it. Everyone admires it. The biggest compliment I get from everyone most of my life is, for example, uh, I'll give you, you write a book and I'll give you a really, let's say I call you up and I'm like, wow, Ian, I'm so impressed. I give you this long, you know, accolade. I would get a response back from you that would be like, that means a lot coming from you because I know you don't blow smoke. Well, yes, thank you so much. I'm so glad you recognize that. Yeah, that's kind of what everyone should shoot for. They're more trusted. People are going to trust you more because they know you're not BSing people, right? And furthermore, you care less about what other people think of you now, even in a world like you want people to like your podcast or whatever. That's great. But at the end of the day, your whole identity isn't wrapped up into it either. So, you know, this is just a really important thing for most people, but especially men. And I feel like there's sort of a little bit of a lack of them nowadays. And when you find one of these like classic alpha dudes, you're just like, oh my God, it's just like it would make me melt because it seems like it's a little bit rarer now. And look, being buff and being six foot four and a tall, good looking dude with muscles doesn't make you alpha, right? True alpha is really on the inside and it's confident as F is what I would say too.
1: Well, do you think that's probably a problem nowadays because we we have such a easy society? You know, we can order dates online, we can order food online, we can order, tra- you know, transport online. You know, have we got to a point where we don't have a ritual from childhood to manhood? We don't know how to... To, get, to take on that energy that you're talking about, that we no longer know how to become men and we, we, you know, we, we don't take responsibility because we've never had to. Because you know how people say, act as if, just go out there and act as mm-hmm. if you're confident, but you can pick up on that fakeness. You know, and the, apparently the brain, when it comes to, like, visualization training, it doesn't recognize the difference between, you know, what you're visualizing if you do, like, enough and the actual training. But, does that ever generate true, authentic confidence or does it always get picked up, do you think?
2: Um, No, here's the thing. So here's where an act as, if, act as if moment matters, like back to Brandon. He had to speak up in that moment the first time to say, hey, don't talk to me like that. Okay, so that's an uncomfortable moment. Um, And it it took him to to speak up. It's it's kind of had to act as if right act as if he was kind of confident in that moment. It's a little bit of pretending. But Mm. the thing is, is that that little bit bred the internal because the bottom line is that you're still doing the thing. And what's the thing? You're still speaking up to a bully. Get it? You know, so. Yes, you can act as if you can walk around and be pretend to be confident. But again, it, it, you can see through it. But over time, some of these little mini moments. But I wouldn't say overall acting as confident would benefit you all at all because – Whatever your consideration is of confidence, some people would go out there and just think confident is like, you know, talking about themselves or, or bragging or whatever it may be or trying to prove stuff to people. And that's not acting as if confidence either. But, you know, like I said, there are these moments, right? We're going to have to act as if like in the moment and it's going to be uncomfortable on the inside. Brendan was probably shaking, you know, <laughs> during that that one moment. But then it was like, okay, but it's over and I achieved the thing I haven't done all these years. I finally spoke up. I finally spoke up. So sometimes it does take a little acting as if in that kind of way. The other stuff, though, we see right through it. And that's where you have to get to the inside. That's why confidence isn't an outside game. If it weren't, listen, there are New York Times bestselling authors who speak to 50,000 people. They get off the stage and their life's a mess. They're a people pleaser and they just can't even have a conversation with them. You know what I mean? That's not confidence. That's just outward confidence. That's just performance confidence. It's kind of bullshit, really. You know?
1: I mean, you've talked about in in the book, which it really kind of hit home in some places because I could really see the areas I had to work on even now and like the older kind of, it made me remember a lot of kind of very uncomfortable moments, which is the great thing about the book. But you talk about the need to become, you know, self-aware, become vulnerable, be open to what you want, you know, not just like the surface level change, but actually the deep the the dark places that people need to go to to really become a confident person how do we get to that point you know how do we become vulnerable how do we self um analysis how do we really go into areas that we want to forget and want to hide from you know the leave the shit from our childhood leave the downers in our friends move on you know how do we really get into this and change as a person and become more confident on a proper deep level.
2: Uh I'll answer that in a few ways. So
1: I know there's about 15 questions in there. 15 but... questions in there, but
2: we'll get to <laughs> um all right. Well here's the thing. You need to ask yourself some questions, right? Like I said earlier. Okay, like what all these little areas of life like health, like employment, career, romance, money, what's working, what's not, okay. But then you have to ask yourself some questions like is there kind of a pattern that keeps popping up in my life that I'm kind of tired of? Could be in dating, right? It's dating the same psycho chick. It could be work, always always working for some asshole boss. I don't care what it is. Um do you keep getting into car accidents? I mean, it could be like, you know, what I mean, do you keep getting fired, okay? So, if there's a theme of something you don't like, that's where to start. And you know, because it doesn't feel good. And you you can probably identify that area for yourself if you're listening. And then you need to go, all right, uh, you talk yourself there's a bunch of questions in the book but some could be like all right is there anything that kind of mirrors this maybe in my childhood like do i know anyone like this chick i keep attracting like did i get completely made fun of at school by a chick like this and i'm trying to seek approval still subconsciously like there's there's stuff to dig in there like there was with brandon and that conversation with brandon on uncovering this story that plagued his work life for all those years took about half an hour (laughs) like you know like oh my god right like a lifetime of shit and then you know half an hour conversation and it's all turned around so it just involves getting deep deep in there now we got it we got to talk about who we hang out with so part of the barnacle scraping in my book as you know is dealing with parental garbage that would be like a brandon story for example and then now dealing with downers because they're going to come everywhere you're going to have downers and what do i mean by downers these are people that could even love you that normally support you but they're going to have a downer so, something to say or a downer thought about you, and it's going to project a lack of confidence onto you. And what are you going to do about it? So for example, let's say you're like, oh, I want to I'm going to start this new business. I've just decided I've had this dream. I'm so excited. I'm going to start this new business. And I'm telling you this as my friend. And you go, ooh, I don't know. You know, be careful, Elle, because, you know, 50% of new businesses fail. Now, this is just a downer. Like, what's like my response would be, you know what, Ian, I'll be on the 50% of the side that succeeds. Why be a downer? Thanks for statistics. So, so you know, what a downer. It's just kind of a downer. It wasn't like, oh, that's great, you know, um, or hey, or encouraging. So you're going to get these hits from everywhere. I got it once um, from a stranger. They asked me what I did. I said I was a writer. This came out of their mouth, literally, verbatim. They said, so are you like a real writer who makes money at it? Or do you like work at the Starbucks, but like, you know, you just write on the side? And I said, now, here's the thing this could have gone both two ways i could have been not confident and taken the approach of defending myself which i would be like well i no i actually have a a book and a best selling book right i could have gone down that road of justifying my situation oh, yeah. But I'm not. I'm confident as F. So I was like, oh, this motherfucker is not going to get away with this patronizing comment to me. This is like a bully, shitty comment. It's just rude. I don't care where you are. So I said, hey, you know what? That's pretty rude. Would you go up to a real estate agent and ask them, hey, do you just have your real estate license, but you don't make money selling houses and like live at home? Or, And the guy goes, no, no. I, well, that's different. I go, no, it's not. It's not different. The bottom line, it's rude. And secondly, I left him with this. I go, thanks, to my belief is that every time I run into a negative naysayer like you, you just totally launched me into even more success. So thanks dude. Now he looked really awkward and uncomfortable because he was he was patronizing to me and he got hit back. he felt stupid. And he felt like an idiot because how would you not? The case has been made. I just made it, right? It's rude. It's just ridiculous. What, a, what That's a downer. These downers are gonna come at you everywhere. Someone said to me once, ooh, you're a writer. Oh God, that must be like so tough. It's so competitive. What a downer. I said, uh, well, it doesn't seem to be so competitive for all of the people making money at it who are successful at it. <laughs> Did you count them in on your statistics, you negative Nancy, right? So we're going to have people come at us in every direction, and it can even be a friend, you know? And what are you going to do? Are you going to let that story, again, seep in like your childhood one? No, you're not. Not if I can help it. Do You know what I mean? It's,
1: it's weird, like, because... I think we can all identify those friends, you know, those people who claim to want the best for you, but they don't want you to become better. They like you being the That's
0: the friend right.
1: that they, they view as lower. They want, you know, the crab in the bucket kind of thing. They want to pull you back in. They don't want you going and, you know, forcing them to look at themselves
2: that's right and when you have friends that you feel like that if you have friends that you feel like are not in your corner or that are jealous of you or they they are and what that is and this is part of confident people aren't envious or jealous and they don't compete part of the jealousy thing is they're really hoping for your failure really hoping kind of for your failure on that now how do we know that anyone listening everyone listening has had this thought before someone said something to you about an idea and whether you said it or not you rolled your eyes and you went yeah Good luck with that. We've all had that thought. We've all had that thought about somebody. Oh, somebody close to us. We've all had that thought. Well, that's a downer thought, and it's kind of going. It's kind of hoping they fail. I'll give a. I have a lot of downer examples in the book, but I'll give one where I was a total downer. I had a friend who, uh, she's like forty-five years old. She's never had health insurance, and in our country, this is like really important. You know, if you slit your finger, and it it could cost twenty thousand versus. Two hundred, you know, it's like, oh my god! And I have this belief system about insurance, and I'm trying to convince her. I'm like, you're crazy! It's been all these years; something could happen. You'll be screwed financially. Like, you have to get insurance. And she, I did my best arguing, and she said, you know what, I just don't have the same beliefs that you do about insurance and about my health. I feel fine, and I'm not worried about it. I literally am not worried about it. And you know, I couldn't argue with that either. But I got off the phone with her, and I was just so angry, you know, because I felt like, damn it, no, I know I'm right though. She's so dumb. And I had this thought, and I thought she's so stupid. Watch. Something's going to happen. She'll see. Okay. Like, think about that. Watch. Something's going to happen. She'll see. Okay. What a downer am I? Because what does that mean? That means that in order for me to be right about her having insurance and winning that argument is to her to get totally screwed financially and have a medical issue that gets her there. Do I really want that? Do I really want that for my friend? So I can, so she's completely screwed. It's like hundreds of thousands of dollars. I was like, see, told you I <laughs> should have had insurance. So whenever we have the thought like that, like, good luck with that or or watch, they'll see, they'll be back. Any kind of those thoughts are downer thoughts. Some might say, well, why does it matter? First of all, you know when want people thinking those thoughts about you. So stop chumping on other people's confidence. How about that for starters? Secondly, we know the vibe. We all know when you tell someone an idea and their vibe is like, uh, yeah, the good. Yeah, it sounds great. We all know that energy is palpable. It ain't going away. That You can't hide that. Don't be that person. Don't give that off. You know what? Maybe the person's going to fail. Maybe it's a stupid idea. You know what? Short of like it causing them harm, let them fail. They're going to remember that you were on their side and that you were encouraging. You know what I mean? And so we've got to start there with our own thoughts too. Because we all have downers we need to get rid of, but we are also downers. And there's a bunch of examples, as you know, in the book of different levels of being a downer and all these things. But it starts with our thoughts about other people. And when you think those thoughts about other people, you're really chomping in on their confidence. And it's just such a low vibration move. You know, so after that conversation... How did I know that was messed up? Because I didn't feel good after that conversation. Like I was angry. I was annoyed. I thought she was stupid. I just wanted to be right. I wanted her to see my point. Yeah. Okay. Those emotions are your indicators. And then I wrapped it and I was like, oh my God, what? I don't want this to happen to her. Oh my God, cancel. No, I don't want to be right. No, I don't. You know, now what did that do? Well, it dissipated everything. You know, I started to feel better. And then I didn't, wasn't out there in the world putting out this energy towards her that's kind of like subconsciously hoping, you know, like just, just you wait, wait till something happens and you'll see. So that kind of stuff. And we've all had those thoughts. We need to start looking at those differently. We need to start canceling those and replacing them with other thoughts too. So it's about not being a downer. And then it's also about, um, you know, getting rid of toxic people. And who are you hanging out with? Are you telling your million-dollar dreams to $100 people? That's a Steve Harvey quote. You know, you keep coming up across the same brick wall. You keep telling your brother your ideas, and he's never supportive. You keep seeking that approval or keep seeking. And who's the insane one? You are. Your brother is a guy that just doesn't believe in your shit. Accept it. Stop telling him your ideas until they're either done or whatever. But even if they're done and you're successful, you still might get a downer comment. You can't control it. But what you can control is how are you are going to take those hits? Because they're going to come from everywhere. They're going to come from a friend and a family member who aren't normally downers, who might not be people you need to totally get rid of because they're super toxic. But even non-downery people like me have downer thoughts every now and then. I'm sure I might be prone to spitting one out. I probably would catch it right away at this point in my life. But you know what I'm saying? We've all been guilty of it. And we need to stop that. So we need to look at look at that as well. Um, so that's part of it too. The downers are part of the scraping off the barnacle, the parental garbage. And then, you know, again, your victim application has been denied. This is a huge thing. If you're continually not taking personal responsibility for where you are in life, then you're blaming someone or something else for it. And that has to go. That has to go too. You need to propel yourself forward. The confidence has to be cultivated from within and we need to discard these other
1: pieces. Because that was part of the book that really kind of hit home was when you said there's no, um, what was it? There's no victims, just volunteers because i used to look at people and say oh no i want them you know like wishing they would fail because they were doing something that i wanted to do i used to be this downer and you know i would be really jealous i'd be like none of my friends were supportive and i was wanting to change and i pretend to be happy where i was and and i found myself thinking why am i not wanting somebody else to succeed you know like the time's still passing i could go out and succeed you know, it's these people weren't wanting the best for me. And it made me realize that uh, there was a lot of changes I had to make back then and become unavailable to my old self, I think, as you refer to it in the book. And when I look back then, I was thinking, geez. I was a downer for a lot of time and you have to step away from the older version of yourself as much as your downer friends and family. And I had to leave the area I was in and go and chase the career, chase the podcast, chase the, the, you know, like the hobbies and things I wanted from life. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's scary to do it, but how do we become unavailable to our old self? How do we, Stop comparing yourself to others. Stop being jealous, and actually yeah. chase what we want from life.
2: Well, let me let me just kind of let's get into envy and jealousy for a minute. So, people are like, so envy, kind of in a nutshell, is like wanting what others have. Okay, but jealousy kind of encompasses feelings of insecurity, fear, and envy, like over the lack of possessions or status or something like a person has, right? But both involve comparisons, okay? And those comparisons will are basically reflecting feelings of insufficiency, right? And so in overcoming those things, you know, first of all, you got to be aware of it and you have to see it right? That they're self-defeating because jealousy can really ruin your peace of mind, your relationships. No one wants to hang out with a jealous person. Nobody wants to hang out with these people. We feel it from you people. We know you're, if I sense that someone's jealous of me, they're out. Ian, I don't have time for that. You know what I mean? Um, So here's the thing. It really also is assuming that there's a lack in the world, but I will tell you this. Confident people are not only kind, although you might have to use your confidence as dominance sometimes, but that's where confidence can be great because in a push-pull moment, you might have to step it out a bit further and use it as dominance to get something you want. But I don't mean negative, you know, dominance. I'll give an example. I was back and forth with someone on a project once. That was ultimately my project. And even though they were part of it, they had to say, sort of, they kind of kept telling me they want to do this thing. And I kept saying, no, I don't want to do that. Kept coming back. It was back and it kept going on back and forth. I was like, man, this is like the battle of the alphas. And it was a guy, too, by the way. And at one point, I just was like, all right, I need to end this. So now I stepped up my confidence into dominance. And I said, hey, the conversation is over. I already told you what we're doing. And that's it. I don't want to hear anything more about it. It's done. Canceled. Like, that sounds harsh, right? That's harsh. I get it. But it worked. Because only after back and forth, I needed to finally just put my foot down. So sometimes you do have to use it, but you already have to be confident in order even to get to that point, right? Now, confidence, though, is not necessarily about being mean. It's not. It's not using it dominance in a negative way. And confident people help other people succeed. Listen, this is i don't I don't help people succeed because I know it's coming back to me. It just does. Um, but here's the thing: when you are competing against someone, you're going to lose because your value is associated with that person's defeat. I always win shit, Ian, for like my life. It's the story of my life, but I'll tell you why I win because I don't compete with others. And so I always so oh, that's impossible. What if you're in like a sports competition? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's talk about a sports competition. So say I'm in a marathon. I'm not there. I'm not going to show up at that marathon being like, I can't wait to beat these suckers. Oh, they're going to go down in flames. Oh, Jenny's in the race. Oh, she's going to, I'm going to, can't wait to rub this in her face at the end when she sees me with that trophy. Now that's kind of like competing thoughts. My thoughts in that situation are only of, oh, I am just going to win. I'm going to dominate. I'm going to be number one. It actually has nothing to do with you or anyone else in the race. One is a different, they're both different vibrations. One is really, my sense of satisfaction at the end of this race and winning is it relates to your failures versus me just winning because I'm awesome and I'm gonna freaking win. And that's why I win a lot. <laughs> because I don't compete. And as well, I'm not competing with other people. So, you know, if someone comes to me and they're like, I want to be a writer or a podcaster, I'm like, oh my God, what if they become better than me? What if they have more followers than me? What if they well, that's just low self-esteem, that's lack of confidence, right? And it's a lack of abundance in this world. And so You know, and I have more on this, of course, in the book, as you know, about talking about quantum physics and uh, the level of abundance in the world and how it's just there's always a place for everyone. Like there's room for you. There's room for me. But I'll tell you what's going to get you a loss is being jealous. I've never seen super jealous people succeed ever. They always fail. And in fact, if they get a little bit of success, it lasts very briefly because they're on to the next thing. And nobody wants to hang around with them. They don't make good friends. So you gotta start encouraging your friends and actually truly being happy for them. And listen, if there's a moment of ego competitiveness that comes up because, because John got the job you both applied for. Okay, look, have a moment. We're still we still got this meat suit with an ego. I get it. But then you need to kind of cancel those thoughts and turn it around and be like, no, hold on a minute. Would I want him to be happy for me if I got the job? Would I, you know, talk it through almost like the Brandon scenario, almost like the scenario, um, Another scenario I have in my book about where someone was uh, about to, you know, quit and someone was like, oh, they're not going to be able to do this job. They're a watch. They'll come back begging on their hands and knees. And I was like, but you like this employee, but you don't want them to quit. But now that they're quitting, suddenly they're a piece of garbage. We have our ego pop up, okay, in those scenarios. And that's when you have to do the self-talk because no one else is going to do it for you. So it is about cultivating self-love. How do you do that? You're getting rid of the barnacles. You're, you're dissembling parental garbage. Um, obviously, I'm very encouraging in the book in general, like your coach throughout the book. And going through some of these tenants. But the jealousy and envy is the worst It is the worst, and it's really the straight shot to failure. Now, everyone who knows me in my industry knows that I'm a super connector. I love helping people out. I will help lots of people. If you you know, like, hey, where do I go for this? I'm happy to help. I connect other people with other people. I sometimes do it just for fun. Like, If I think of two people should be interviewed, I'm like, oh, I need to go tell Jenny to be on so-and-so's show. I love doing this stuff. I love helping other people succeed. I don't do it as a means to an end. I just do it because that's who I am. Now, here's the thing, though it comes back. <laughs> I mean, it I don't do it because of that, but that's what it generates. It generates more success and guess what? Everyone trusting you and wanting to work with you. Do you know what I mean? Because you're not the guy that's battling with the other guys. You're going to be looked up to and admired that you're the guy that's helping other people out, that's helping other men succeed. Be that person. That's the mentor people are looking for. That's who they want. Be that. That's the highest that's above the rest anyway. So even back down to like a previous jealousy self, if you really want to rise to the top, you got to get rid of that. You have to get rid of that. It's just, and I know you know, because you've had it in the past and you're not like that now, right? W- what a better place to live, right, Ian? I mean, how was it then? Sucked probably.
1: <laughs> oh, God, yeah. It's It's amazing when you look at like how dark a place it can be if you're just wishing negative on everybody, you know, and and how like the negativity kind of just surrounds you and karma comes back and how you don't like yourself and how you find yourself constantly arguing and drinking. And I think you kind of know, but you don't know how to step out of it. And that's what I really liked about the book was, you didn't link it up with psychobabble language. You didn't overcomplicate it or go too airy-fairy or anything, but you just said it like it needed to be said. And it's something I would have loved to have back then, you know, because it really would have helped me understand And But how do you, I mean, something I really admired about you was the fact that when you had your illness, you were standing up to yourself and talking to doctors and demanding changes. You knew something was wrong. And you kept going back to them and just demanding changes and tests and things like that. But, you know, the guy who's gone in and got a new job just now or the guy who's gone off and doing, like, this first sporting competition, Do you, would you agree with the Steve Kam article I read a while back about you just need that 20 seconds of berserker confidence, that rage yes. to just get in and do it?
2: Okay, you know, it's funny. You said that, and I don't even know that quote, but... Um... I like it. So here's the thing. I'm confident as fuck, particularly in the area of public performance. So I have, you know, done improv and sketch comedy for years. I did it for like 10 years. I I was on stage so much in front of live audiences. And listen, when you're doing improv, which means you show up on stage and you don't, you're making it up as you go. It's like kind of the most nerve wracking confidence test you are ever had. have got questions
1: on that, don't worry.
2: Yeah, it's super, super, super. Okay, so, and actually, one of the things I do suggest to people if you really need confidence is go take an improv class. Not to be funny, not to perform, not to be an actor, but because it is the most awkward, it's just so awkward. And anyway, so... You know, I have that level of confidence, like going and speaking and doing all this kind of stuff, but, um, oops, oh, there, sorry, I think dropped. Um, So I have this kind of level of performance confidence, and, you know, honestly, I lost my thought, I forgot, what was your question again, so I can be reminded, something just dropped on the floor and I got distracted. (laughs)
1: Well, it's just that one of the things that a lot of people see is, you know, you can have one initial thing that you stand up to somebody. Oh, right, the 20 seconds. Yeah. yeah how do we cultivate that that then creates these everlasting changes or opens up uh an opportunity to become a more assertive person or whatever right. you know how do we find that initial oh god oh god oh god i'm about to do this kind of confidence that a lot of people lack or don't know how to tap into
2: right okay so um and i remember what i was saying so i have this performance confidence but here's the thing there are moments there are still moments for me when i'm about to go on stage And you have this thought of like, who the hell do I think I am? (laughs) You know, or like, like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? Are they going to like it? Uh Uh-oh, should I be? There's a moment of just, uh okay? And in those moments, my 20 seconds is me self-talking to myself. And I might say something like, hey, uh, you fucking signed up for this. You signed up for this life. You want this. What did you do? You've done this before. You know you're good at it. You're not, come on, girl. Uh Uh-uh, you're going to get up there and kick some ass, Right? Now that just may take a few seconds, and I had to do that to myself last year. Now, how do you get to the point where you can even like self-talk? Well, here's the thing. Let's talk about the truth of that situation. Most things you want to do that you're scared to do and then do then, then try to do them, it's because you want them, right? I want to be a speaker. I am a speaker. I got hired to be a speaker. I'm about to go on stage. The truth is, really? I wanted this. I'm backing out now? I'm downering myself now? before I go up there. And I know what that's going to do to my nerves. I know if I kept that train rolling, but I have done enough self-talk and a self-examination to have caught that my nerves were a little bit up. And I had to go, ho, ho, hey, hold on a minute. You you got this. You know what you're doing. You... Now, I happen to be good at that thing, right, that we're already talking about, but that still doesn't mean you're not going to have a moment of a lack of confidence or something or a little little blip, um, that comes up, but who's going to get you to the point where, you know, thank God I did have that 20 seconds of self-talk because I went out there and I killed it. And maybe if I had let that go, I would have got up there. I would have been kind of not confident. Maybe I would have shaken. I would have seen it in my demeanor, but, but I did the self-talk, but the truth is that I really wanted that thing. So when am I doing, that's kind of insane. Like, what am I doing? Am I really going to back out now? You know, cause here's the thing. If you're going to go try a thing, you're too afraid to do it. Well, then you're right back where you started. You don't have this <laughs> what the what's the risk? Well, what if I fail? Right. Okay. Well, then you're back to where you started. So you're there now. You're already there. Right.
1: Time's gonna pass it anyway.
2: Yeah. So so you're you're already there. You can try it or not, and you can fail. You know, you have to get used to failure and rejection. You have to become comfortable with that. Um, these are things that again, um all have to do with caring so much about what other people's opinions are are of you. And so are you going to let other people dictate your life or your projection of someone else's opinion? So let's talk about dating. This is a perfect example where I had a met a woman who was talking about online dating and she said, you know, this is like really depressing. It's just all this rejection. And I'm like, well, what do do you mean rejection? She's like, well, I go online and, you know, like I email these guys and like no one gets back to me. And I said, okay, well, what if like, You found out that every single guy you emailed, like, was a convicted murderer, beat their last three wives, like, you know, were a con man. I go, would you feel rejected by them then? She's like, well, no, of course. I go, no, you'd feel like you dodged a bullet. What are you doing? So in that scenario, she's allowing a projection of what she thinks a stranger might think of her affect her self-esteem. That is just freaking crazy. You don't have to be a psychologist (laughs) to understand that that doesn't make sense, does it? Why would you do that? So you got to look at these things that you're commenting on because there's feelings behind it. When she was like, oh, it's depressing. I feel rejected. That's an emotion. Depressing, rejected, doesn't feel good. Why don't you feel good? Well, these guys didn't email me back. Well, let's look at that. Do you even know who these freaking people are? How do you know that their photos were even, I mean, come on. But this is what people are doing out there every day in the real world. Oh, you got you got like 1,500 you know, thumbs down on your YouTube video and you're going to let it affect your day? I mean, listen, it, this is up to you. You're it for you. No one's going to do it for you. Nobody going to do it for you. And that's what I'm here to encourage people to do is get in this, unwrap it, and it usually is associated with the yucky feelings. If you're not feeling on fire and happy and awesome all the time, there's something to examine. You got to step up. Like I I know someone who's a PhD and I overheard them talking to someone and they said, you know, the, the thing is, is that like, I really know my stuff, but I'm just not that confident. Well, so they're confident, again, in their ability to know a thing or their knowledge in something, but they're just not confident enough to put it out there where you're going to need confidence for that. Do you have a story or a message to get out, a podcast you want to do? I don't care what it is, a product you want to sell. You're a painter. No one's going to come knock on your door and be like, oh, I, I smell paint. You are, do, are you a painter? What's that? Is that? Can I buy that? No one's going to do it. And you got to get to that. Never hurts to ask. Um, you start slow, right? You start small. I knew someone who was debilitatingly shy and could not even talk to a cashier at a store. So shy. Couldn't even talk to women. Ter- it was just so debilitating. If you're a ground zero like that, then you do what he did, which was amazing. He hired a social coach. That person took them out to malls and public places where they would help him go make a conversation with the cashier at a store. Just you, sometimes you got to start there. Sometimes mm. maybe you don't start confidence with speaking up to your terrible boss. Maybe that's not the first thing. Maybe there's another area of your life you can you can kind of step up in and declare some worth on, right? Um
1: that's, just, that's what I actually did was I started going and speaking to anybody and everybody cashiers, guys in shops, people on the phone when I was ordering, you know, sorting out my landline phone bill and all that kind of stuff. I took every opportunity as a chance to develop and become confident, you know, social chat, get to know people, you know, stand up for myself. And every time was a learning experience, or I, I succeeded, or it was a learning experience. And that's what I loved in your book when you mentioned about, we, you know, stop reasoning away our defeats, stop giving ourselves excuses and actually go for what we want. But could you explain that about what, how we reason our defeats?
2: Yeah. So. <laughs> Cause this so when confidence
1: goes wrong, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, no, this here's, I will give the example. So, um, person applying to colleges and, uh, they were they they applied for early admission to an ivy league school now when you do that in in, in our country you like apply for early decision they say okay we will get back to you early then like meaning you say if if they accept you you're going to go there that's the promise like i apply for early decision and if you accept me i will agree to say yes um and so they got deferred for the early decision meaning four months later it came around and they're like hey we're not accepting you right this minute but we are still going to we're going to defer you meaning we'll let you know in the next round like you know with everyone else so they started to reason their defeat they started to be like well maybe the school's too far away maybe maybe it's this maybe it's that again almost preparing themselves for the failure of not getting into the school they were reasoning their defeat already before they had it because they got a hit on their confidence just because they weren't accepted on the early admission versus saying, well, hey, I'm still in the game. I have a chance and then trying to vibe it and intend it towards the positive direction, you know, which is what I would do. I would be like on, you know, YouTube looking at videos of the school. I'd be like cutting out photos of it. I'd buy a sweatshirt. I'd be like all into like vibing the feeling of being at that school, imagining myself there. That's what I'd be doing. That's a forward thinking pro you intention, you know, move. Instead, she was starting to reason her defeat and so we do this a lot. And again, I think it's to save ourselves from the hit of the rejection or the failure. But confident people actually are confident as have people, they don't look at it that way. They look at it like just another challenge. And so my example with that is so with colleges. I got I was transferring schools my sophomore year and I was denied admission to the University of California at Santa Cruz, completely denied. They're like, nope. I didn't accept it, Ian. I was like, I'm going to appeal it. Like, fuck it. I'm just going to appeal it. I'm just going to be like, no, I think you made a wrong decision. Let me, let me persevere and try to get in there. What do you think happened? It worked. Of course. I went there. I'm so happy. I'm so proud of being a, a banana slug. That's our, uh, our, our uh, mascot. But I love UC Santa Cruz. I'm so glad I did that. I just accepted that defeat. Had I just accepted that no I would not be living the life I'm living today. Most of my life is because I did end up moving to California and I love it. And that's what brought me here. So I didn't reason my defeat or even accept the defeat. So by the way, when you get defeated on something like that, appeal it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, Doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt to appeal. Doesn't hurt to ask. Never hurts. In fact, if anything, perseverance pays. So... You know, two very different scenarios there. Me and then this other person who's – now they eventually actually did get into that Ivy League school. They did. So they were already reasoning their defeat and it turns out they got in. So they were exuding fear over a thing and reasoning their defeat and being a downer on themselves about it. And they actually end up going to that school. So they did, they did succeed in the end. So what's a better way to live? Like simmering in this disappointment that's a false sense of disappointment because you don't even know the truth yet? or positively vibing that thing either way she got in right but still we do we reason our defeat a lot and it's it's to kind of soften the blow of a potential rejection or a no but you have to become okay with that because confident people barrel over those things like like driving a tank over them it's just like whatever next i'm down now but now i need to get back up it may feel bad we get we all have moments not going to feel great but you got to recover you got to self-recover
0: it's time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy, so how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money? Simple. You go to nextlevelguy.com affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The company showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to com slash affiliates and level up.
1: Well, that's why I used to do at the very start. Before I knew what I was doing was actually a strategy. Was I would look at something and say, I want to do that. And then I'd have all the doubt and all the bullshit would come into my head. And then i think, well... The six months it's going to take me to do that or the four years for the course or the year or whatever it was, you know, or the skydive, the three months to train for it or to save, you know, to get money for it is going to pass anyway. So I may as well go and give it a try because at the end of the day, if, if I fail, eh, it's a learning experience. And I didn't know that was a strategy to actually look at that. You know, I think the time we look at things and talk ourselves out by reasoning, oh, no, it's going to take two years to get the qualification to start the business well, two years is still going to pass anyway. Would you rather spend the two years and have a chance of starting a business or sit and do nothing at the end of it? And I think that's, like you're saying, we reason ourselves out of stuff. We we allow like the imposter syndrome to stop us, the self-sabotaging, the, the bullshit stories we tell ourselves. And I think that's what's really going to help people with re- re- reading your book. It's you explain it in a way that you can't reason it away. You can't reason the... The lies, you can't reason the excuses. You explain it like somebody's sitting there and going, Oi, you know, listen to me. This is what we're doing. And it's <laughs> like it. ha- it's like having that big sister going, uh-uh, we're not listening to that shite, we're getting it done. And that's, that's what done. I really liked about the book. You know, I kind of read and went, Okay, yes, I'm gonna go out there. <laughs> you know I-, I could feel the old version of myself kind of getting a kicking, and that's what I think I needed as well, you know. So how then do we take this? and pass it on so if you're in a relationship can you bring up your partner who's maybe not as confident can you pass this on to a kid can you teach your nephews your son your daughter whatever it is to become confident or is this a journey we all have to do in our own scape you know can we pass it on can a a confident person bring up somebody
2: absolutely listen it may not work but it'd be nicer to try. And so what are some ways to do that? You know, when ask yourself, like, when's the last time you pointed out something to a friend of yours about a complimentary attribute or characteristic of theirs? Like, when's the last time you said, you know, dude, you know what you're really freaking awesome at? You're so great talking to people. You're just, you're so diplomatic. Every interaction I hear, you're just like always so calm, cool, collected, whatever. I don't care what the compliment is, right? When's the last time you've done that? Start dishing some of those out. Start to just encourage your friends when it's right because we all have friends where we see this quality in them that we like, like why aren't we looking for them and pointing them out? So that's a way to instill confidence in someone too and be a better friend, be a nice friend who's appreciating, giving words of appreciation to someone. With kids, um, so here's the thing. Dads have to watch out with little girls. It's too much of, okay, this is what happens. So guys will compliment little girls on appearance, like what a cute dress, what a cute bow. Your hair looks really cute right? Okay. I get it. We all kind of slip into that. We have to start complimenting girls on other things. And I would just say children in general. So even if it's a boy, like, oh, it's a cool shirt, dude, red, baseball glove, whatever. Okay. Those are all real base compliments. We as adults can see in children when they have made a really astute observation, we can see when they have done a really nice thing, like they're sharing toys with a friend or whatever it is. That's when you also need to take the time, not necessarily in that moment, but at some point be like, you know, I just want to tell you, I saw you playing with uh, with Joe earlier and you were so good about sharing your toys and just going back and forth and you guys were having I'm so proud of you or, right? Or your daughter makes a really smart observation. Honor it when you hear it and you think to yourself, she's so smart, say it. Say, you know what? That is so smart. And if you can go into it even further, you know why that's smart? I'll tell you why. Because you did it. Like we, I can't give it a specific example now. We've all had these moments. We have them as adults where we can see it in people. So we need to start complimenting people on their character qualities right? Not on these base outward things like great grades or, right? It's just, it's more meaningful for someone to hear. Now, I do think it's really why I used to work with kids for many years. I think it's really important at any chance you can with whatever kid at any intelligence level that you tell them they're smart, you know? now I can't be like, you know, obviously like they, they run into a glass door face first. You don't tell them they're smart. I mean, (laughs) you have to find the right, like, I mean, make sure it's a smart thing, but you know, still, even if it's small, be like, you know, that was smart. I'm glad that's so smart. You remembered that, or that's so smart. Like anything, you know, that they do that's smart, be like, you know what? You're smart. That's a smart observation. You know, I didn't even think about that. You're right. What the, come on, you know? So we need more of that for kids, but particularly girls. We just tend to do too much. Look, it still happens now. Like you could be online and the guy's first, you know, email to you is like, you're really pretty. It's like, listen, and just for the guys out there. Yeah. Okay. We know. That's not, we We actually don't want you to like us for that kind of, we do, but we don't. We just, let's get over the base stuff. Like comment on something I said in my profile, comment on so, anything freaking else, but the physical. And that kind of goes for kids too. start to point out what you really love about them, you know, because there is something in every kid that's really great, right? They're exuding a great characteristic. So we need to just and do it with our friends. You know, I, look, I I, do it too, but sometimes I forget. And then I'm like talking to a friend and I just have a thought like we all do. You have a thought where you're like, you know what? They're so good at that shit or they're so amazing at this. Oh, why don't you say it? So I just started saying it to my friends, girls and guys, right? When I'd think it, I'd be like, you know what? You're awesome for that. I wish I had that quality. I need to work on that. Because you know what? You're awesome at that. That is a great quality. We, all, we wouldn't be friends with people if we didn't have these thoughts. So start telling them. Then you're just going to instill more confidence in everyone. And if someone comes to you with a terrible idea and you think it's awful, um, listen, depends on, you know, someone comes to me and they're like, hey, I want your opinion on something. I'll say, listen, are you okay with my brutal opinion? Because I'm going to give it to you. And if not, then you may not want my opinion. But my friends and people usually (laughs) they generally know that I'm going to give them my honest opinion or they wouldn't ask, right? Now, you got to exercise some diplomacy. And again, this book is like, you don't speak up at every turn. This is where the confidence pitfall is. Like I used to choose every battle back in the day, right? Or fight every fight. Listen, you'd rather get your ego punched than your face. Don't speak up when you're in, you know, danger. Don't, you know, like, let's be honest. And you know what? There's times to not be authentic. If I'm at your house and you're, if we're there at Thanksgiving and your grandmother says the N word, I'm probably not going to take that moment to teach everybody about tolerance and the history of like, no, that's your grandma. She's 95. You know what? Deal with it later. Not the time. Uh Okay. So, yes, we all have to have an editing button, right? Uh, Same thing. Your grandma says, Do you like my sweater? And I think it's horrible. I'm not going to tell her it's ugly. You know, let let these people win for Christ. Come on. That's just being kind. Okay, so, you know, just had to throw that like realism window in there that, you know, it's not you don't always speak up. You're not always telling the truth in every single moment. But for the most part, that's what it's about. And the thing is that people really admire that. And most people wish they were admired. Most people wish they could inspire people, but you're not going to inspire people if you're not someone who's admired by others for the way that you operate in life.
1: Yeah, because I mean that's something a lot of guys struggle with is giving the compliments to other guys. It's been open, and you know, rather than demanding the attention and the the compliments, we want you know it's a it's a real struggle for a guy to walk up to a guy and say, you know, are you like a really kind of deep, well thought out compliment. Yes. No, We're it isn't. Obviously, you oh, might cool have to shoes. put it in a different way. <laughs> Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I sometimes find that even now, despite the fact that I do it a lot, you know, like I'll be talking about people's attitudes and I'll compliment people in their work, I'll compliment people at the gym or like when I'm doing jiu-jitsu and, you know, that's like when it's really primal and it's physical and you'll say, oh, you're really good at this and I love how confident you are with that. and You know, it's like, and, you know, I think sometimes that helps. It's that physicality. It's the... It it wakens our body up, our kind of spirit up. Um, look like I'm not religious in that sense, but I think sometimes that's what we need to get out of our out of our head, you know, and like get into our body. So, I mean, do you think things like physical sports, combat sports, dance, all these kind of things are these great for kind of getting people confident in their bodies, but also confident in expressing themselves to, with others as well?
2: Uh. Y- And so here's the thing. Let's say, okay, someone say, can you really be confident if you're not happy in your body? Look, if you're suffering with depression because you have hypothyroidism or rheumatoid arthritis or you're in chronic pain all the time, yeah, look, it's going to be harder. I'm not telling you you're going to be able to muster up everything. You might have a chemical neurotransmitter issue going on temporarily because you're fighting something and hey, okay, you know, this could take extra work or you might need to fix that first. On the physical stuff, yes, I do believe like what comes first, you get confident and then you can like lose the weight and get in shape and feel good in your body. I would say that one of the best places to start to even get confident is to start self-love and self-worth by taking care of yourself. In a better way than you have, and it doesn't mean that you need to be like like you're 400 pounds and you're on couch and you're like tomorrow I'm gonna get divorced, join boot camp, join a gym. I'm like, don't no stop. Just just start somewhere. Like, are you eating crappy? Great. Don't even think about going to the gym. Just start to get the willpower and figure out like what you're gonna do with your diet because that's gonna affect your mind, right? So if you are what I call, what we call in the paleo primal industry, like fat adapted, you know, which is pretty much a high fat, moderate protein, low carb paradigm. If you're fat adapted and your brain's running on fat and ketones, you don't have dips and drips and, you know, you don't get hangry and moody. You know, Steve Jobs, the, you know, founder of Apple was notably like a very cranky, difficult guy to be around. Well, I wasn't surprised because I found out later he was a fruitarian. He was completely running on glucose constantly all day long. He basically, that's also what probably led to his pancreatitis. So here's the thing. This guy's up because he just had a, you know, a juice drink and, and then he's down two hours later and now he yells at somebody. So yeah, you're going to have a more even-keeled mood when you have better glucose management, better cortisol management. So yeah, physicality and being in shape in general is great. Now you guys too, you are a different story we don't expect you to be sappy and gushy like us. We don't want you to be. So having a very like heartfelt, deep, meaningful, like, you know, compliment to a friend who's a dude, it's awkward. In fact, it's awkward for us to watch it. <laughs> it's like, I was to be honest, like, that's awkward. I get it. I get it. You guys are not, I get it. I get it. So here's the thing. Yeah. Then, then, you know, maybe you do more of the like, you know, you punch your friend in the arm. You're like, you know what. I can look at Swole. Whatever. I don't care. But here's the thing. I want to say this to guys. What does benefit guys who really need some help with this, whether you're dealing with shame or you are dealing with debilitating shyness or issues with vulnerability or becoming you know, emotionally available in any kind of way? And again, we don't want you to be Hallmark movie BS like us. We don't. But I would say this. What has really helped men is men's groups. You guys just can't do it as well with each other like we can. You know, and and not to say that there aren't male friendships like that, but listen, you know, we're different species and gender for a reason. And women, you know, we we can have the deepest, most you. In fact, you guys don't even want to hear the stuff we talk about. (laughs) But what has helped several friends of mine is joining a men's group. So let's say you're a people pleaser. Well, Dr. Robert Glover, who wrote No More Mr. Nice Guy, which is a great book, uh, has Mm -hmm. men's groups. You know, there's also other men's groups. Just look them up. And usually they start off, maybe it's a weekend initially, like it's a three day weekend. And listen, if you're a dude that doesn't feel like you have many problems in life or you have some major shiz to get over, but you just want to improve and be a better man or even make better men friends or treat your sons better, whatever it is. A men's group can be great. You might still be dealing with tons of people there that are going through really awful stuff, right? Like they lost their house. They were a drug addict. Okay, there might be some really stuff that's like way worse than yours. And it is a little hippy dippy weird to go into that space. But because it's a safe kind of, you know, um, anonymous space for you to go into that doesn't involve your friends, You know, I have just gotten such good feedback from friends of mine who, by the way, would have never suspected could even benefit or would go into a men's group like the like already one was already super confident, completely confident. However, he felt like he noticed that he treated his sons a little harsher than his daughter and he started to kind of think back about on his issues with his dad. And he thought, after hearing me interview a men's group uh, guy, he thought, you know, maybe I need to look at a men's group. And he is so glad he did. And it's uncomfortable a little bit. He's like, it's awkward to be, like, where people are being vulnerable. And, you know, people are talking about serious personal stuff. But he was able to he finally express something that he's kept inside for, like, 20 years that he's maybe only expressed to me as his friend to finally go out and express it with a group of guys and get that feedback. And I think it felt even better to do that in a group of men. So, you know, if you didn't have the best dad, you might need to be fathered by other men and a men's group might be a good opportunity for that. Like again, it might be a weekend seminar at first and then you decide if you want to be a part of the group for 14 weeks or, you know, they all have their different paradigms. But again, that might behoove men out there to, to deal with their stuff in that way Um to to become a better man.
1: I love that because that makes perfect sense. Sometimes is you know, it's, it's not just the guy that produces us that can father us. It can be the older brother, a friend, or it can yes. be somebody you meet in a job. Or it
2: could be all the men in your family—four brothers and your dad. It could be right. <laughs>
1: and it's sometimes that's what you need is to go and meet with other men like you know in a sporting environment it's or the like a group or a club like there's all these meetup groups just now where you can meet people of the similar interests who you can actually start speaking to and you know and you don't just meet like a like similar minded people but you also meet people on the same wavelength who are looking to develop as well who are open to the kind of things you want to talk about, And I think they, those kind of things really help, and the meetup groups is a great idea. Um, something that I did notice: um, what do you think about diet? You know, because like, you've mentioned about the diet that helped your, like your own condition, etc. But have you found that people changing their diet in terms of like more vitamins and minerals and stuff like that has really helped their development, their mindset, their confidence? How? 100%. You know, what, how do how do you work with somebody that's maybe eating fried food all the time little vegetables constantly low grumpy stuff like that can a diet change be enough or do they have to do everything at once the visualization the meditation all that you know what what would you advise somebody listening as like say you had them for 6 months what would you be getting them to do just now to come back and say to you i'm kick-ass, thank you so much, you know, what would you give me as homework for, say, six months?
2: Well, here's the thing. The self-examination stuff is thoughts and in your own head and not just in your body. So, like, going to the gym five days a week isn't going to do that part either, right? So Mm. I would say get right with diet. And I don't even mean exercise. I just mean helping out the diet. That would be, like, one of the first things to do. But you concurrently do it as you're doing some of the self-examination in these areas of your life that we talked about earlier and get into the nitty-gritty of it and trying to then move on and that's obviously going to be specific for everybody but there is no joke there is inc- look I just interviewed a guy the other day you guys can look him up on Instagram thankful.carnivore he's 59 He suffered for 20 years being on multiple medications, fat, depressed, all sorts of things. Long story short, finally did like low carb like Atkins, started to feel better. Then he got off some medication with cannabis and used that for depression. And then it really hit when he just literally eats meat, salt, and water. That's it. That's the guy's diet. He's 100% carnivore. It saved his life. It cured his depression. He's the happiest. You would never believe this. Uh, You see the before and after photos of this guy. His name is Brett Lloyd. So he completely cured his depression. Um, now, granted, he, he had to go all the way to carnivore to do that. There's also another book called uh, by Allie Miller called The Anti-Anxiety Diet. Listen, blood glucose management is not a joke. It affects our brains, our neurotransmitters, everything. It also affects cortisol, which then affects, again, how you feel. It's a stress hormone response. When you have even killed glucose and you have even killed adrenals, you're good to go with mood and balance, and then also the ability to focus also too you know what you guys have something called testosterone. How much of it do you want it, and how long would you like to keep it? The answer for all of you should be as long as possible and as much as possible. Well, depending on what you're eating and your lifestyle, you are probably inhibiting that production and or lowering it. That's a problem that is such an important hormone for you guys look it's important for us too, okay like we definitely need testosterone. Um, however, you guys really need it. It is responsible for your mental energy and focus, your your recovery after exercise, your weight management, everything, your energy, like your whole life, and your the feeling of being strong headedness. That's why, for example, like with hormone replacement, a woman would be taking between one and four milligrams of testosterone, and you guys start at like forty to sixty. Okay, you but, and that's what makes you you. But that's the strong-headed warrior shit from back in primal, where I needed you to rescue me from this dude's dragging my hair in the cave. Okay, like you know what I'm saying? Like so, so get that testosterone, man. Overexercising can ruin your testosterone. So I don't if you're doing, you might be doing CrossFit seven days a week. If you're doing that, you might be effing with your testosterone too. So it's not just people on the couch doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? And testosterone has everything to do with lean muscle mass as well and erections and everything. So if you want to feel confident as a man in all the areas, you need to check your testosterone and watch that. How do you do that? Optimizing it through diet and lifestyle. And it doesn't even need to involve being a gym rat, but it does need to involve being on the right dietary paradigm, period. It's just... That's just science. Um, listen, when people over-exercise and under-eat, the testosterone drops. Like if people, you know, and then you see people change. Like, okay, I wasn't eating enough calories. I, I was working out too much, and then boom, their testosterone shoots back up to like high school levels, and the dude's fifty-four. So, how you want to play it? If I were you, um, I'd optimize this shit out of my testosterone. It would be number one every time I woke up in the morning. Was like, how is this day gonna optimize? my testosterone that's exactly how i would feel and that you can't do eating a bunch of donuts
1: and you know there'll be people sitting listening just now going i didn't even realize my diet had that kind of effect Yeah, Yeah, it really does. And on
2: female hormones too, but really with the guys, you guys with this testosterone. And so how do you know you have low testosterone or you're suffering mental focus and energy? So feeling tired, waking up and not having erections every morning, um, that should be happening for a very, very long time in life. So unless you're 90, like you should be having that happen. Um, recovery from exercise, if you're feeling like it's taken a couple of days. Again, it would be like a general sense of exhaustion and even depression. Um, Again, you know, this, this is like your hormone. This is like your primary thing as a man. And so you want to preserve it for all the reasons I mentioned having that abundance of that is only going to lead to confidence just directly, first of all, just directly related to the hormone, because they give people testosterone who don't have confidence, okay? Then they might overtake it, right? And then now they're like some aggro dude going around (laughs) starting fights and shit. So listen, yeah, okay. We know that, you know, the, the- pitfalls of juicing too much tea but i'm talking about like preserving and optimizing your natural testosterone and hey if you've come to an age where you've done all you can with health and diet and everything and you need testosterone hormone replacement fucking do it do it enjoy your life enjoy your life stay as lean and buff and as you know erect and as sexual as you would like without obviously in the physiological realms not you know (laughs) going crazy with it right um so Probably the tagline yeah. for this. <laughs> yeah, if you have a face full of acne, you're doing too much. Yeah, so um but this is really important. So so confidence for guys, testosterone and health. Yes. So I would say, you know, you got to have the health part going, but if you don't, or you can't, that's okay. You can still learn to accept yourself for who you are. It's not like you're like, oh, well, you're an obese guy right now who's lazy and you're not really only changing. Can you still be confident? Yeah, you can be by scraping off the barnacles that we talked about, right? The downers, the parental garbage, all this kind of stuff. You can still do a lot of inner work. And by doing that inner work might lead you to a level where you start to care more about your body. One is going to affect the other if you do the inner work. It's One will get you there, the other will get you there. Chicken, egg, who knows which came first, doesn't matter. Both will kind of lead into the other if you do at least one in a positive way. But you can't just work out and become fit and expect to have confidence. You know what I'm saying? Now, you could be the other person that say, well, what if I were this like obese person but I did all the inner work and I got confident as fuck? I would say, sure, that sounds like, a nice thing to say but I still don't think someone who's in that body is fully confident as that feeling great about themselves but if they could get there then yeah that could work too it's just most people aren't happy in that body not because of even the aesthetics but because of how that feels do you know what I mean
1: definitely Uh, you know it's that's something I had to change was not just my sort of physical approach was also my diet because I realized I was filling myself with such junk and what's it to say you know, you, you wouldn't run a Ferrari on like shitty quality petrol. You would give it the best, like five star fuel you could possibly give. So why would you treat something that's even more unique and special like your body and fill it with junk? And you think you look at how our diets set up and the availability of so much crap and e numbers, and no wonder people are so messed up and depressed and just out of shape mentally as much as physically it's quite scary when you look at it but you You know I know
2: from one who I want to talk on another one I, I know a woman she's a celebrity fitness trainer you can look her up her name's Holly Perkins she's pretty hot and uh she she I interviewed her and she was on antidepressants since she was like 11 she's maybe 42 now let's say and she was on antidepressants all these years, and again, changing the meds, this and that and the other, always thinking, again, this story imprinted on her, right? Or like the psychiatrist and the general, like, well, this is what's wrong with you. You're sad, and we're giving you this stuff. Long story short, she never thought to look – she was already doing the healthy stuff as much as possible. She's a celebrity fitness trainer. But one day in the future, she finally tested some more in-depth things, and she found out she had a very severe intolerance to gluten and dairy. She quit those things and was off antidepressants in one year. So two damn food groups, two fucking food groups, people, screwed up her whole life and gave her the story. Like, this is your story. Something's wrong with your brain, right? Like, you know, this, this, this imprinted thing. Like, well, I'm not normal. I have this, this sadness problem. Turns out she doesn't. It was just gluten and freaking dairy. Like, are you kidding me? got to be kidding me. But I'm not because that stuff happens. We see it all the time. And this is, by the way, someone who was all on the fitness track. I mean, just never, never didn't have a good body, never didn't understand nutrition, but there were just two food groups that affected her brain in such a way. And the gut-brain connection is important if you don't understand that. The work of Dr. Perlmutter is amazing. Dr. David Perlmutter, he wrote Grain Brain, Brain Maker, all about the gut biome and the brain connection. So, This is legit. You know what I mean? This is real. And so there's nothing you can't fix. And I'm not saying everything's fixable via natural protocols. Listen, I fixed a lot of my life through going paleo primal, but I still take thyroid hormone replacement every day because I can't live without it. So I take less now than I did before. And you know I obviously got rid of all the other things. I was pre-diabetic and all sorts of other stuff that, of course, I corrected with paleo. And I corrected as well being off the train of a carbohydrate-dependent sugar burner. That is not a good mental state. No one wants to hang around someone who's hangry because hour five came about and they're eating every two, three hours. It's the old BS weightlifting, old BS endurance paradigm. And if anyone is an athlete and is curious about this, just look up Primal Endurance written by Mark Sisson and Brad Kearns. Look into the work of them. Um, The two of them are the experts on the subject. They've been in over 200 something plus competitions in their life and they realized they were doing it wrong the whole time. They were running on glucose. You're gonna have those drops, you know. When I was a sugar burner and I was glucose dependent, man, and I an hour four would go by, I'd have like kind of a little mini headache. I'd be hangry, my brain. I'd just feel like cranky, moody. We all know those people. You might be one of them, but we know being around those people when they start to get hungry and that hour passes. That doesn't happen when you're a fat burner. It just doesn't happen. You just do not have those drops in blood glucose. Every time you have a drop in blood glucose or a rise because of this wacky eat every two, three hours BS, you cortisol, your adrenals respond because they don't like it. So now you're pumping out cortisol. Now you're pumping out the fight or flight. Now you're pumping out that, that hormone in a negative way versus a positive way, like after you've just done a sprint session or after you've just done a major like high-intensity interval training. That's when it's good to cascade all of those type of hormones, but not all day long on cortisol because you're up and down with your blood sugar because your diet's on some old paradigm no one's doing anymore that we now know can lead to type 2 diabetes. You know, and a lot of athletes are getting pre-diabetic because they're like, and even though they're fit, they're like, how is this possible? It's like, well, you know, and that's a whole nother podcast, right? <laughs> <So> <laughs> well, let's thing, I into could go, I could go on forever on that one, but people need to look into that. And again, that's still about optimizing back to testosterone, which you really, really want. By the way, we can I'm, feel it. By the way, we can feel it, in you guys like when I could just like sense when a guy has high testosterone, <laughs> and he doesn't have to look at it. I could just sense it. We feel it. I'm sure it's like you guys sometimes feel in the presence of a bunch of women, right? This like energy, this essence, as you're feeling this hormonal level from us. Like we feel it. Like you guys want that. It's really
1: attractive. Yeah, there's you can you usually feel that on a date if you just click with that person. You can feel that level of kind of. So I don't know. It's. I used to think of it as some sort of like special but the thing between looks and personality you know because i used to think like looks will go but there has to be that spark and i think that's why i used to def- define it as that spark that that attraction that sometimes you can't explain it but they just drive you absolutely wild and i think that's what you're picking up on in the female energy so to speak um because i I mean, I I used to be on antidepressants when I was a lot younger and I had the exact same thing that you were saying. They wanted to just, oh, you're feeling sad. Here's the tablets. There was not, what's the problem? You know, let's look at this. Are you intolerant to anything? What's happening in your life? It was just kind of, oh, you're having a bad time. Here you go, tablets. And you think how many guys are living life packed to the brim of this with the fakeness of tablets, with the fakeness of our like chemicals in our system because we can't, address and adapt and deal with the shit that's in our life you know fix our diet fix our health do you become more confident in that sense yes some people will need them definitely for chemical imbalances but do you think you know what's your opinion on that do you think too many people are on them and they don't need to yeah.
2: be oh my god first of all every commercial in the states on television at night is for a glucose monitoring medication because of the diabetes epidemic right oh yeah and Gosh, there's a lot of Viagra ads. Like, really? Do people have broken dicks everywhere? We need to fix this. I'm not having that. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to make that my mission right now. And by the way, uh, I've met a couple guys that are, you know, that are my age and uh, have issues there. Like, that's a stress thing. That's a that's not always a testosterone thing. That could be a stress thing. That's a mental thing. That's a shame thing. That's a thing that can just affect a part of your body you don't want it to affect. So you got to get to the bottom of this. Now, that person who had that issue was kind of a people pleaser. And I'm wondering if like that again, that that deep down sense of like shame and fear of other people not liking you and being a people pleaser led to, you know, issues there. Either where there's sometimes there's a mental connection. Usually people who are having those issues, it's not like a physical injury, right? It's like testosterone or it's something else. So I could say this for guys at least. If you want to know if you're okay in the mind and the body, the best thing you can do is get a full thyroid panel. And I have actually, because I happen to also be a thyroid expert, I do have a free thyroid guide on my website, lrust.com, and it just lists all the tests to get so you can see what you need to get tested and make sure you get those tested. And then also free and total testosterone. You know what I mean? And that will give you a great picture of like, okay, like what's, what's my general state aside from, of course, lipid panel and other stuff too, and blood glucose. But I mean, that's kind of like for guys, like that's always the most important because thyroid affects the brain and thyroid affects T3 and T3 is a fat burner as well and gives energy. And so, you know, bodybuilders abuse T3 thyroid hormone to burn fat before a competition but it also can be catabolic too. So you have to be careful. And that's why they offset it with a bunch of stuff. So essentially like your T3 levels as a guy, your testosterone levels as a guy, these things are really important. I would be looking at both of those things for like, what's my general health? And then trying to optimos, optimize and watch both of those areas as I go through cleaning up my physical health and my life. Um, if I were a dude, that's exactly where i look. And for all people, thyroid for sure. Um, but for men particularly- the free and total testosterone and, and also the thyroid panel. So like, that's a really good place to start if you're like, where am I at? Because here's the thing, you could be like depressed and they give you Prozac, but then it works for three months and then it doesn't work because you had a thyroid issue, you know, Mm. or you don't fix an
1: underlying issue.
2: Right, or you're. I've, I've, so I deal with. I've, I've worked with clients like all over the world. Um, now, thyroid issues are predominantly or disproportionately women's issue, but men have it too. And so, for example, one of my clients was this 25 year old guy who was really, really fit, but he had super low testosterone, and so the doctor, like before he came to me, his doctor just put him on a bunch of testosterone. But the testosterone was never the problem. That was a patchwork operation. If they corrected his thyroid, the testosterone would have just corrected. So now they've introduced exogenous testosterone, shutting down his own production, to a 25-year-old guy? Because the thyroid is the master gland, and it is in product, it is responsible for the production and the regulation of all of your sex hormones. So, is it a testosterone issue, or was it the thyroid issue? Once you correct the thyroid, the hormones usually come back into play. Again, looking at the root versus patchworking it up. Why didn't someone go? This twenty-five-year-old has low testosterone. That doesn't seem right. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not right. It's not right. They didn't look for the cause of it, but we found it. It was this thyroid completely screwed up and that will affect your testosterone. So the general rule of thumb in life for men and women and everybody I would say is a health coach and just an expert in the thyroid arena is never take an antidepressant, a statin, a blood pressure medication or, you know, insulin or any of that kind of stuff until you have really assessed the thyroid. Because all of those problems stem from a thyroid issue. And so you can try to patch them up, but it ain't ever going to be right. And it won't continue to help. It'll only hurt. And some of it will fail. Because blood pressure medication for existence, high blood pressure, is often insulin resistance. Um, You know, high blood pressure and insulin resistance go hand in hand with thyroid issues. So if you're just going to give someone a blood pressure medication or this and that and the other, you know, Lipid panels being off, well, thyroid hormone is the main fat burner in our bodies, called T3. If you don't have enough of it, you're not going to be processing the fat you eat and burning it. So yeah, your lipid panel might look off. You get where I'm going with this, right? We got to get to the root. So that's what you do when it comes to health in this arena of gaining confidence is, yes, start with cleaning out your diet. But also, you might want to get some diagnostics and start there too. Because if diet and lifestyle isn't working and you still don't have enough energy and there's some symptoms going on there, then you have to test appropriately to see, okay, now do I need you know, and if, and if you're at a certain age, you optimize everything you can naturally with testosterone before you take it exogenously. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You want to exhaust all resources to get it back before, unless you're at a certain age, right? Before introducing something like that.
1: Uh, no, I, I love that because I love how, you, you know, you're talking from personal experience. You're talking of what had happened in your own situation and how it helped you and i'm really glad you kind of went into that because a lot of people just get put on them and there's no there's no hope there's no insights they're just kind of they fix the initial kind of mood and then they don't get to the problem and people just sit and feel worthless on them and they struggle on them and a lot of times there's a deeper like actual physiological issue that they need to get to you know it's away from just the symptoms they need to actually get into that deep roots problem and these kind of medicines don't tackle it a lot of times and they do need to get the tested further so that's why i'm really glad to to get you into that kind of area but i know we're well over our time on it so i'll be quick for the last couple but what has doing this podcast taught you you know you've interviewed some amazing people like bethany hamilton gary john bishop who have had on as well you know, you've interviewed like some amazing authors, athletes, motivational speakers. You've, you know, it's like a who's who of fixing and mental, physical, living life the way we were kind of designed to be living. But what has it taught you about life, modern men, um you know, confidence? You know, how, how would you sum it up from your experience of the podcast? What have you learned about stuff?
2: Uh, you know, so, yeah, I've interviewed so many great people. Gary John Bishop was hilarious. Um,
1: He's full on, yeah.
2: Full on. You know, here's the thing I say to people that's true, which is really what, what I – I don't know if you can hear the rain. It's raining here on an odd day in California. It never rains. <laughs> um, so anyway, I would say that here's the thing. Like I get to have really interesting Conversations. My brain gets to be worked and have new ideas filtered into it all of the time because I'm going to have to read the book or learn about something from the person if I'm speaking to them or read the book before the interview or whatever. I don't always interview authors either. Um, so I just love that because that's what people are missing in life. And I know that. I know the nine to five job. I get it. I understand that. It's boring. It's monotony. It's in and out. You're home. You're watching the TV. You're just sitting there. There's like no new anything coming into one's world. Yet, because I do this, uh, it's forced upon me. And in a way that to me is such good brain shiz right there. You know what I mean? That's so good for your brain. And it, it livens me up. I, I just, yeah, I have so much fun with it. And listen, I mean, you're an interviewer too. You know, sometimes you're interviewing someone, and you're like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> just like. I've had a few moments where it's like pulling teeth, man. I had one where I was like, I'm not even putting this up. This was so bad. Like I am not, forget it. This is just like the worst interview I've ever had in my life. Like, wow, I can't get that hour back. Um, So like not all of them are really, I mean, most of them are great, but you know, there's a few too that are tough. So uh, wow, I've had to exercise some patience for sure. Um, I have found out though, just on a technical level that In order to be a good interviewer, you're like, you you really just have to get in there. You have to also be a really curious seeker. And I've always been that, you know, I have a degree in philosophy. So I'm always interested in more broader or deeper tangential questions. And, you know, versus talking surfacely about a thing. So... It's just, it's been really interesting. I've, I've I've gotten to interview some of my heroes, which again, goes back to a part of my life where, you know, I manifested that, even though that's sort of unbeknownst to me, you know, these are people that I used to read and follow their work. And then to have the benefit of talking to them is such a gift. So, I mean, I think that's really the over, I mean, yes, while I do learn lots of interesting things, I mean, I'd have to say like a couple of my favorites are, I really like Dr. Robert Glover, who wrote the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy. He's doing a lot of favors for guys just if you're that guy and you're kind of that people pleaser guy, like you, you need to understand his work. And so I I like him. I love Ariel Ford and she's like in the area of, you know, manifesting your soulmate and finding love and becoming more lovable. And so it's really nice too, when you, you know, kind of interview these people that are into male, female relation, romantic, you know, kind of stuff like that can be really interesting and satisfy and enrich a part of my life. That's not just knowledge-based, right? That's not just, oh, I just learned something about type 2 diabetes today. Like, okay you know um and you know again just because we're sort of a primal based podcast I've interviewed some just really interesting ancestral experts and I do love the topic so you know it's been so much fun and I think in general too it's made me more curious because in my conversations with people outside of the podcast not that I'm interviewing people all the time but you know you it's increased my seeking and more interest versus over a base you know someone asked me the other day, because I talk in my book about having, you know, conversations, which are like conversations that go nowhere. <laughs> and uh, someone said, well, is like small talk at a party that's really boring? Is that a conversation?" I'm like, no, that's just boring small talk. But you know, the way that like podcasting might be applicable in that scenario for me is that let's say I'm at a party and, and this happened actually not too long ago. I was at a party and I was speaking to someone who was not exciting. Okay, I'm just gonna say it. Kind of boring. Whatever. Nice person. I got no nothing negative. But just I was I was bored. I was like, oh boy, I'm gonna I'm really gotta pull through this one. So in order to take it off of sort of base BS back and forth talk, I started asking her questions about her life and herself. People usually will oblige. By the way, they're very you know like, oh, someone's asking me about me, and they love to talk about themselves too usually. So. What I found out, though, that day was I learned something. I learned about a profession I didn't know existed. She had some really random uh, like niche career. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. I actually am a coach, so I can always look for a moment to inspire someone. I happened to help her gain some confidence in our conversation in her career. (laughs) So that was beneficial. Um, But again, I up-leveled the conversation. And you can do that, right? And so I think that's where interviewing has kind of helped me, too. Because in those moments that are seemingly like boring or uneventful, you Can use your interviewing skills, or or mine at least, I guess I'd say to to sort of, you know, because you never know what answer someone will give that will then really make it lighthearted or break humor in or something like that versus just an exchange of back and forth like base stuff. So you know, in a way, those are all really random things about the podcast question you asked me. But hopefully, that made sense.
1: No, I completely agree. You know, there's times normally I'd be bored at my brain at a party or whatever, and. Because I've done the podcast, I've started asking questions, and you learn how to, to 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 start bringing out the the flesh of an answer, not just the kind of superficial layer. You, you actually start finding finding a way to ask a question that's not just a yes or no. It's to actually bring out the real beliefs of the person or to start asking them a challenging question or a question that actually gets them to think out loud and really kind of open up and admit how they truly feel rather than oh well my book is about da, 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 da. and it's it's really difficult to do it initially but you find when you start doing that or you listen to good podcasts that do it it can be life-changing because it can get you to speak better to bosses to girlfriends to chick to your kids to to make better connections, to open up, like to create a new network, it can be an amazing thing, and that's why I owe so much from this podcast. I can already see I've still got another ton of questions, so I can see in round two definitely on the cards if you're up for it at some point. But yeah, what exactly. do you want? What do you want people listening to take from this? You know, like if you had a kind of apart from buying the book. What do you want them as a kind of go home message, homework, um, an action, something to think about? What you know? What's the the go? I I like calling it the go home message in a sense.
2: Well, I would say for the people out there that feel really confident, check yourself, dive in there because you got some pitfalls and might need to refine that shit. If you don't have confidence, you could do this, like we talked about ground zero with the person that had to hire a social coach. So even if you're there, you can do it. But this is what I really want to impart. You're it for you. So you've never had a thought that isn't about you. And now here's the objection. Well, hold on a minute. That's not that true. You know, my aunt Mary was in the hospital. I went and brought her flowers and brought her soup and hung out with her. Right. Because you felt good about that because it was about you. <laughs> still, Still about you. Motherfucker, you cannot get away with it. It's always still going to be about you. So every thought you really have is about you. Your thoughts do translate into matter. There are so many scientific experiments on the power of actual intention if you're doing it in the right way. So you need to tap into this magic, the power of the subconscious mind, because it's yours. You are it for you. No one's going to do it for you. And you could become awesome if you are not. You can attract a whole new tribe of friends. I I made that intention a while back. I have great friends I've had forever. And I was like, you know, I feel like I would love some new friends in life. And I actually met a best friend at 40. Like, what? who does that? I didn't even know that was kind of even possible. A best girlfriend. Like, you think those are the ones you have from high school and, you know, you're never like going to meet someone new that's that close. And I just put that out as one of my goals that I was setting and just kind of an intention. I didn't go looking for it. I didn't go try and make friends with people. But again, I worked with my mind and my thoughts and my emotions. And that's what we have to do. They're there to propel you forward. There is a co-creation here, whether you believe it or not. I don't believe in God. I don't go to church. If you do, I have a whole section in my book on get your faith in order and use your faith to increase your self-esteem and confidence. I believe in some universal principles um, that are kind of rooted in quantum physics, et cetera. But Again, we have this power, You're very powerful manifester. The only way to get in there is to scrape these barnacles off, right? Stop being a downer, hanging out with downers, cleaning up parental garbage, getting some self-esteem and self-love, you know, and getting in there because everyone out there right now is confident in something. I don't care who you are listening, even if you feel like you're not, there's still something you're confident about. Even if it's like, I'm a good mom. Even if it's like, well, I'm a really good friend or I'm a great son. I don't care. Something everyone's got a little something and so it just needs to be expanded out it just needs to be broadened and needs to filter into every area of your life so that you're confident as fuck so that you can move through this role and get what you want out of everything right from the bedroom to the boardroom like I said there's nowhere you're not going to need a level of confidence and it doesn't have to be bravado outspoken confidence and performance confidence unless you want want it to be but it does have to be this um you can c- cultivate the general feeling that you're going to prevail. You're here you're here one time, as far as we know. If you have a belief in past lives, that's cool, but this is the one you're living now. And so I'm telling you it's a better life. It's a much better life. It's an easier life. it's uh, it, and it's a life of really manifesting your dreams because you can't do that without being confident as fuck. You can manifest some of them, but then really there'll be other areas of your life suffering and you won't be happy because of those accomplishments because you didn't do the the full cleanup. You know what I'm saying?
1: Definitely. I love that. It's that's really well put. Like that's, I genuinely, genuinely loved the book. Uh, you know, When I read it, it's, it's a hard read if you're going through the initial kind of, you know, when you actually have to start identifying the bullshit that's in your life, the drama. But once you start getting through it, and you see the you know the, the work that you recommend and the challenges etc. It really makes sense, and you start seeing the benefits in your life. But it can be an initial shock to some people where they think they're confident, and you know you kind of rip you rip the band off very quickly, shall we say? Um, and, but,
2: no, I had to rip it off myself because see I was confident, and you know we didn't get to that. But one of the greatest chapters in that book is shame disables confidence about a hand disability I got 20 years ago. And so, you know, you, you can be confident in all these areas and then have one area that's really screwing up parts of your life that you think you're shuffling under the rug. And so again, it's important to get all encompassing with it. Right. And again, it's just, it's a happier life, It's such a happier life to feel so good about who you are in this world. And I had to do that too, you know? Um, that's why I wrote it. And I, as you know, I was very vulnerable and open about stuff in that book. And uh, and that was one of my first favorite, because I was not a vulnerable person, because I'm alpha. <laughs> it was the last thing I wanted anyone to see. It was like me crying, me admitting any kind of weakness. Like I, I, But you know what? What I argue in the book is that it's not that you have to wear your heart on your sleeve or do a Facebook Live about your insecurities. But you got to get good with this stuff and clean it up, because... At the end of the day, it's just it's going to affect your level of happiness and success. And we all want that, and it doesn't matter what success is for you. I don't care if it's like you want to be a successful stamp collector, like whatever. It's cool. Um, but whatever your definition of success is, you know, and you just can't get there without, without stepping up. So let's do it.
1: I love that brilliantly put. Uh, that's what the book does is it teaches each and individual person how to find the confidence and the success of their definition you know it's not these generic kind of like training programs that say this is the diet this is the training plan that's going to work for every single person you teach the people the skills to then go and find the confidence they need that's inside them to go and become who they want to be and it's is such a great book and you really are going to do well with it but for people listening who want to, you know, find out more, who want to get your social media, who want to work with you, going to get in touch with you, read the book. Now's a perfect time, you know. How can we follow the like the progress of the book? Listen to the podcast. Get in touch. Ask you questions. All the good stuff.
2: Well, I'm most active on Instagram as far as social media goes, LRuss there, and then LRuss.com. And like I said, if you're suffering with thyroid stuff, there's a free thyroid guide. And if you're interested in coaching, I mean, I coach people in a variety of capacities, even like writing mentorship and, you know, life coaching in general, aside from, you know, primal and, you know, thyroid coaching, you can just contact me there for details. But um, and then yeah, if you're interested in any more of these topics, you can just Google my name. There's so many interviews of me speaking about you know thyroid health, ancestral health, and also you know now a few, a good handful out there uh, on confidence and. Um, I listened happy, to you few. Know, <laughs> yeah, I respond. I respond to DMs, and you know I'm happy to 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 help guide you in a direction if if maybe you know it's not one stop with me and then every monday primal blueprint podcast you know on apple podcasts or everywhere you get your podcasts i usually interview uh someone really interesting in the health mind body kind of space and uh so that's always really interesting
1: well the floor is open to you if there's anything that you think we haven't covered anything you'd like to mention and um, before we get through um onto round two some point down the future if there's something you want to bring up anything coming up that you want to promote or mention
2: no, you know, I was just saying th- thank you. It's such a great. It's nice to have a conversation with someone, and feel uh, you're such a good interviewer, and just feel like to get out to get out the message to everybody that this is this is something you need to dive into. Get in there, you know. I, I I I wish my confidence upon most people, you know, and I I know how it feels, and I want it for everybody, and I know it's attainable because I've seen it. So I know you can do it if you're out there and you want it.
0: Well, that's it for another week, and thank you for listening. It's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned. Listen, try it, embrace it, use it, and crush it. Now's your time to hit that next level in your life.